This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Here we go. Hour two. Great day for talk radio. You know, I just noticed it's still light out uh, up until whatever. It was recent that uh, it'd be dark by five o'clock. So uh, we're on the good side now of the sun returning to our hemisphere (laughs) or at least to the side uh, of the equator. Goodness me, uh, and it is a great day for talk radio. It's the Monday edition. We've got our panel slated to uh, go here shortly with topics worthy of discussion. And to pick up on that uh, branding thing with Gillette and uh, masculine tox- toxicity, which I'm sort of scratching my head hoping to understand. You know, the idea that this would be kind of ambiguous and just draw into question masculinity as a negative trait to begin with. That's the real danger to me, but uh, this is where... Gillette thinks uh, they've got something of a winner in their campaign. You know, it's kind of like white privilege. Uh, Yeah, it's sneered at, but uh, you just don't know how it's defined, especially until somebody accuses you of exercising your white privilege. Oh, well, woe is me. Then, uh, you know. You're on the defensive, and I think it's the same thing here with this Gillette campaign. We will get down to it. We talked about it late in the last hour. Uh, We also did mention in passing that there has been a cabinet shuffle up at Rideau Hall earlier today. Justin Trudeau announced uh, that there are some moving pieces within his cabinet, given that Scott Bryson is quitting politics. He from Nova Scotia way and uh, representation in the Atlantic provinces, pretty significant for the liberals who swept. They ran the table the last election out, but now they feel they might be somewhat vulnerable or there are some soft spots there that could be exploited by the opposition. And so let's find out how the opposition perceives all of these cabinet changes, such as they are. Jamie Ellerton has joined us on the line. He's a conservative political strategist and a principal at Conaptus. Jamie, good to have you on The Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Hey, John. Thanks for having me on. All right. Uh, So all of these things, I mean, not everybody, you know, is attuned to uh, who the players are, their names, their faces, maybe couldn't, you know, recognize them in a police lineup. You tell us if there's anything of significance that happened with this cabinet shuffle earlier today. I think the probably biggest thing is Seamus O'Regan gets the chance at a reset after being gaff-prone in the Veterans Affairs portfolio. Moving over to Indigenous services allows him to hopefully find his footing as a minister and have a uh, it's time for to sink or swim for him going forward as, as a cabinet. Uh, Jordy Rayson Raybould was uh, often uh, viewed here as, as a demotion today, uh, going from Attorney General, obviously serving the veterans uh, as Veterans Affairs Ministers is an important portfolio, but it's not as a high prominence or as ma- major impactful as the Attorney General. And I think the other big one today, of course, with Minister Bryson's resignation from a cabinet is the addition of Bernadette Jordan, who's the only now minister from Nova Scotia. She becomes the Minister of Rural Economic Development. And anytime you hear the Liberals put economic development in a title, it means they are going to be the Minister of Handing Out wealth, Corporate Welfare and Photo Ops going forward. So this is the Liberals' way of acknowledging that they have an issue in rural Canada, that they are perceived to be out of touch and need to be doing more. And uh, Minister Jordan is going to be responsible for helping shore up the government's uh, leaky boat on that front. Well, in Atlantic Canada, as I said, they ran the table last time out. Uh, So are they vulnerable there? Yeah, I think their numbers in Atlantic Canada are still very strong, but they indeed kind of wiped out the Conservatives, uh, which had already happened in Nova, Newfoundland in previous campaigns. Uh, but they also wiped out the Conservatives in Nova Scotia and New, uh, Prince Edward Island this last time around. So this is their way of uh, keeping uh, the Liberal banner relatively flag high, flying high in Nova Scotia. And uh, if you look at kind of the dissatisfaction, uh, ultimately the government's going to face three years, three and a half years into their tenure, uh, there are going to be some people who uh, have some false, ex- uh, false hope 
that the expectations golf of what they were expecting, what this government able to deliver is too wide. And I do think there's some real chances that uh, Andrew Shearer and the Conservatives can pick up some seats in this year's election out there. All right. And Seamus O'Regan becoming Minister of Indigenous Services, leaving Veterans Affairs, where uh, there have been several cock-ups on that file. Uh, I don't know if we need <laughs> to uh, list them just yet, but going to... Uh, Indigenous Affairs, that's kind of an interesting one because uh, that's another uh, gaff-prone file by the Liberals because the National Inquiry into Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women turned out to be a fiasco, didn't it? It did, and I think one of this is really uh, Minister O'Regan's now chance to kind of either be on a stronger footing going forward in, the, in Cabinet and his political career or if he indeed is going to be in a political career, which was nothing more than hopes and expectations. Uh, one of the things that I think is, is different for him in this portfolio is he actually has studied uh, Indigenous issues rather extensively uh, prior to entering politics and prior to his career at CTV on uh, on the breakfast shows. And if you look at what the Prime Minister Trudeau did with the Indigenous Relations portfolio, it used to all just be the Department of Indian and Northern Affairs, mm-hmm. as it is legally called. Uh, earlier in the tenure of the uh, Trudeau government, he actually split it into two. So you have Minister Bennett from St. Paul's here in Toronto, who's still the Minister for Indigenous and Crown Relations. So that's really on the First Nations to Canada relationship side and this other minister of uh, veteran services uh, sorry of indigenous services is uh, really the service delivery aspect of what the federal government is doing for on reserve programs health education and the like uh, so it's a lot more actually managing a department and managing government services than it is to kind of say the politics of uh, relations between uh, the crown and uh, First Nations across the country. Yeah that was sort of a split with Carolyn Bennett and I think it was Jane Philpott on that side wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So she's the one who's now gone over to Treasury Board uh, in the same way that John Baird was Stephen Harper's fixer uh, during the Harper years in government. Right. Uh, Jane Philpott has quickly become uh, Prime Minister Trudeau's uh, standout minister in that regard. Okay. And uh, Seamus, who's his close personal buddy and went to the Aga Khan's islands there in the Bahamas, uh, he's Minister of Indigenous Services. Uh, meantime, having left Veterans Affairs, but Jody Wilson-Raybould, longtime Justice Minister, uh now dealing with uh, Veterans Affairs seems to me like a climb down, or is this going to be an issue because of procurement or other uh, significant points on that uh, in that ministry? Yeah, so this is definitely a, a bit of a demotion from uh, the minister for or the attorney general and minister of justice. Uh, I think one of the things that I'll be curious to see, she also got the associate minister of national defense as a part of that title. So what does that actually mean? Does it mean she's going to be responsible for procurement? uh, Or is there other aspects to that? Or is it kind of just uh, buffing up the title, so to speak? Uh, The Minister of Veterans Affairs uh, in this government has increasingly had issues. You rightly pointed out that there were a few gaps and some scandals that Minister Reagan oversaw and was perceived to be tone deaf. Comparing the struggles he went through after leaving his career as a broadcaster to what those who uh, leave the battlefield and then the armed forces do. Uh, and so stuff like that is going to really dogged him in his time in that portfolio. So I think it's good for the government to have a fresh base going forward. But I think, the John, the biggest news coming out of today's cabinet shuffle is the actually lack of change in it. For all the major portfolios, Christia Freeland, the environment uh, with Minister McKenna, the finance, the $20 billion deficit from Bill Morneau, of course, this being the year we were supposed to have a balanced budget. Nope, we're still $20 billion into the red. Uh, it's really signaling that the government believes in its program, and they don't think Canadians care about uh, fiscal sanity going forward. And uh, ultimately, we'll see what the Conservatives can do to hold them to account and uh, offer that alternative vision. All right. Talking about the cabinet shuffle earlier today, Justin Trudeau uh, changed some of the key 
faces and figures on the front bench. Jamie Ellerton's on the line, conservative political strategist and principal at Conaptus. Now, Wilson-Raybould, going from justice to uh, Veterans Affairs, we say that's a a slight demotion, but the justice portfolio is a a high-profile one insofar as, uh, for example, she had to... uh, I guess, green light the possible extradition of uh, Huawei CFO Mengwan Zhu. And now it's going to be David Lametti from Montreal, uh, former parliamentary secretary for innovation. So is this kind of like hitting a reset? And do you think there might be a reason to do this to, I don't know, some way assuage or ameliorate things with the Chinese? I don't think this actually does have much to play with the Chinese. I think if you look at how the cabinets get made, uh, when you have someone like Scott Bryson, who had been around for a very long time, was very senior, was also a minister back in Prime Minister Martin's government, uh, people might remember him being the go-to in question period on all things sponsorship scandal for that minority parliament. Uh, so he's been around a long time. So when someone like that retires, you really have big shoes to fill. And once you start making changes, it's a few more dominoes fall than perhaps just plug one in, plug one out. So with David Lametti, he's actually widely regarded as a really nice guy. He's also got not only a law degree, but he also did a doctorate in law at Oxford and has been a law professor. And so if you're looking from a political standpoint to help neutralize an issue uh, and not to be, have someone who's going to be like incident prone or gaff prone and can kind of go in hitting the ground running, David Lametti is probably a good one for that. And for the just if you look at how slow parliament works and how long it takes to get a bill through all three readings and committee and then through the Senate and the committee there all before you get royal assent, uh, there's probably going to be very little he actually has to do aside from day to day things that the minister is responsible for. I don't anticipate any major legislative adjustments this agenda items coming forward. And so for a first-time minister, first-term member of parliament who otherwise has a very impressive CV, it's kind of a good uh, caretaker position for him. And uh, I have no doubt he'll look to serve Canadians admirably. All right. And so Bernadette Jordan, this is the Nova Scotia MP, uh, one of the two new fresh faces around the cabinet table. Again, uh, he's prioritizing, Justin Trudeau is, females and younger male MPs to be front and center, correct? Uh, yeah, for the first time now, we have more women in cabinet than uh, men with uh, this, the, today's this cabinet shuffle. Really? Miriam Monsef, the 31-year-old from Mississauga who kind of booted uh, the whole thing on uh, election reform. Where's she at these days? Uh, she's still uh, the Minister for Status of Women, so we don't hear too much from her uh, these days. Yeah, right, okay. Uh, relegated to a lesser position, but uh, okay. So, uh, Justin Trudeau, though, making gender, well, it's more than parity now. Uh, you're saying there's an advantage with more female MPs, uh, so I guess this burnishes his uh, feminist cred, doesn't it? Uh, it's indeed something I think you'll hear a lot about on uh, talk shows when liberals are looking to do media in the coming days. Oh, is that right? Uh, and I guess they don't have to worry too much about Jugmeet Singh. Did you want to comment on that? I guess he was on question period on Sunday and uh, really wasn't aware of uh, something that uh, I guess the ambassador from China had suggested about, uh, you know, white supremacy here in Canada being responsible for Meng Wanzhou being detained. <laughs> does that guy, I mean, does he have a snowball's chance in hell even in Burnaby South uh, next month, February 25th in the by-election? He might be able to scrape by in a by-election. Burnaby, although it's not the safest of NDP seats, it's still pretty strong NDP territory. But as someone who's worked for both a federal minister in the past and former Ontario PC leader Tim Hudak, if you just look at how ill-prepared Jagmeet Singh is to answer very basic 
questions on some of the hottest issues of the day. Uh, it, it leads question to me, not only it's questions of his own character and his ability to do the job, but like, what is his office actually doing if they're not being able to brief him on these sorts of things and get him that kind of staff support that he needs? And if you look at kind of what this means for the federal election coming up in October, uh, so not only does Jagmeet Singh have all these issues he needs to deal with and improving his own performance, for the next couple months now, he's going to be solely dedicated to being in B.C. and trying to fight to even just win a seat to hopefully make some of these problems go away in what is arguably the most crucial time for federal parties to be planning their campaign strategy, to be across the country recruiting candidates and trying to boost their profile. So I think this keeps going from bad to worse for the NDP. At the rate they're going, I think you're going to see them wiped out of Quebec entirely. The orange wave that Jack Layton started, that Tom Mulcair was able to maintain most of in 2014, I don't see that maintaining itself in Quebec. And uh, it's ultimately uh, the biggest gift to Justin Trudeau. I think they need to, if they can stay relatively scandal-free, relatively, of course, these are liberals after all, uh, (laughs) scandal-free this year and kind of uh, get the broad strokes right and get some of that infrastructure money that they keep talking that spending that is yet to actually flow out the Mm. door. If they can be seen to be delivering on a lot of that, I think it bodes well, uh, unfortunately, for liberal chances. Well, Jugmeet, as I understand, is even polling third in that by-election coming up February 25th. And finally, though, Maxime Bernier, you mentioned Quebec. If the NDP are just, you know, crater there, uh, it accrues to the benefit of the liberals. To what extent the conservatives or is Maxime Bernier a wild card somewhere in the equation? Uh, I'll be frank, John. I do think Maxime Bernier is a bit of a wild card right now. I've been involved in conservative circles for over 15 years now, and I just I do not see the groundswell swell of support and this kind of real desire for a new party on the right. Uh, this really is a one man's ego trip now. Do I think he can set up 338 riding associations on paper and get registered and do with all that stuff? Absolutely. Do I think he can actually put together a coherent national campaign? with well-vetted and recruited candidates and to actually put forth an alternative? I don't, but of course, if this is also coming out of potential voters' pool for where Andrew Scheer and conservatives will be looking for votes, that uh, could make the difference in really tight races. So I, I don't think we can write him off entirely. I, I think we have to take him seriously. And I think the more that Andrew Scheer can show that he is indeed the choice to replace Justin Trudeau in this uh, fall's election, the uh, better off it'll be. It's still an eternity out, and uh, the cabinet shuffle, I guess, is just trying to uh, get ducks in a row for the Liberals today, albeit uh, you know somewhat limited, but uh, a few names and portfolios have changed. Jamie, thanks for telling us all about it. Appreciate your time, and we'll talk down the road. Thanks, Sean. You got it. Jamie Ellerton, again, is a conservative political strategist and principal at ConAptus. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.